This episode of the Word and Youth Ministry podcast is brought to you in part by Crossway, publisher of the ESV Student Study Bible. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to the Word and Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are in episode number 12 of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Kyle Hoffsmith. I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. And I'm here as always with my two friends, Matt and Linda. How are you guys doing today? Doing well today. Thanks, Kyle. Doing well over here in Florida too. Uh, Matt, what's the weather like today in San Antonio? Is it ever not sunny and in the 80s? It was weird. Uh, Yesterday we hit 100. Um, which was really unfortunate. This morning, I woke up at 530. It was 81 degrees. And then it went down to 79 somehow at six o'clock. I don't know how that happened. But tomorrow, a cold front's coming through. I think we're gonna might hit 57 degrees for our low and 88 for our high. So fall is is really and truly here now, I think, in, in this cold front. Matt, in San Antonio, do people freak out when there's a low of 57 when it's used to being so warm? Or are people just used to this is the fall weather? I think, yeah, this is like, get out the winter coat, you know, like you wake up at 57 and it's like, what happened? How did like, what, what is going on? Especially after you've been basically hibernating, summer hibernating inside, you know, for the last four months. So it's, this is, this is when we like go outside and see if our shadow is showing. Oh man. It's like groundhog day, but in the fall instead of in February. Well, we're excited. This is not the weather in youth ministry, although weather does affect youth ministry. We could have a long conversation about that, but this is the Word in Youth Ministry podcast, and we're excited here on episode 12. In a few moments, we're going to answer a listener question that someone emailed in. We just want to remind you, if you have any questions or comments or things that you'd like us to discuss, you can send us an email at thewordinym at cpyu.org. That's the word in YM at cpyu.org. But before we read and answer the question, the topic of the question has to do with small group ministry within the broader context of youth ministry. And we thought it'd be a good place for us to start just to explain how each of us use small group ministry within the student ministry context that we find ourselves in, me here in Ohio, Linda in Florida, and Matt in Texas. So Linda, why don't we start out with you, and then we'll go to Matt, and then followed by me explaining how we use small group ministry in our church context for students. Sure. So we have a really simple uh program structure here where our main programs are sort of a hybrid large group small group thing um we will gather for our middle school program our middle school students for a quick um like game and then announcements and worship and then we will split the rest of the time into small groups for the lesson so they get about 45 minutes um, in their small groups to cover the materials right now we're using a curriculum for that um and each of the groups uh, has a, like two leaders in it. Um, the high school looks similar. The kind of game that we play with them is different, obviously, but we do the whole lesson in the small group setting. So that's really um, just the basic simple structure that we use with small groups here. Cool, yeah, we, so we have um, different small groups for kind of different 
um, times and places and people. So I have, we have a category called seeker small groups. We actually call them just pods. And basically what we're trying to do, this is before uh, school or after school, we're taking a couple of our students and telling them to invite their friends. And these really are mostly about uh, getting to know new students fellowship. The goal is to read uh, a Bible verse or two and pray together. Um, but those are kind of mostly just seeker, outsider sensitive, kind of like, hey, you know, like this is what we do. We get together, we read the Bible. We've also got some discipleship small groups. You've probably heard me talking about um, young theologians. That's basically a small group that happens at night that's much more um, directed towards growing in a, you know, in theology in a certain way. And uh, we, you know, we have an upperclassman guys group that meets as well. And so we have the kind of those. And then we've got uh, similar to Linda, we've got some some small groups that happen right right after our teaching time in our kind of big gathering large group. So we break, we have you know those are kind of like breakout groups. Um, so just kind of depends on the context, and we don't. It's not super programmatic. Like everyone has to be in like a discipleship group or a seeker group. It's let's figure out what kind of leader we have and what kind of kids we have, and see if we can cater that group around where we think would have the most impact for the kingdom. That's helpful. I think even just to think through the different uh, types of small groups you can have uh, based around the leader or the person you have to lead the conversation. Here at Old North Church with our high school students, we have two different types of small groups. Uh, our main youth group night is Wednesday night, and we usually just work through books of the Bible uh, during that teaching time. And I'll teach uh, the large group, but then we break up into small groups that are gender and grade specific. Uh, and those small groups are used really as application time. I, I'd like to tell their small group leaders, it's like a bridge uh, from the message to the life of the student who's in the small group, because obviously an application might look differently for a ninth grade boy uh, compared to maybe a 12th grade girl. So the conversations can be more specific to what they're experiencing. But then we also have something uh, we currently call one-to-one -one Bible reading. Uh, but we, it's usually more than one student in there. So we're thinking of rebranding it just as Bible reading groups. But these are groups where we're really focusing not on only information transfer of students knowing the Bible better, but small groups of students who meet with a leader to be trained how to read the Bible better with the goal of not only reading the Bible and discussing it, but having skills be learned and used in those groups that then when they read the Bible, hopefully for the rest of their lives, they're better well-equipped uh, to do that. So those are the two different ways that we have small groups in our student ministry here in Ohio at Old North Church. And so let's transition to our question today, uh, which comes from Kyle Kennecott. He's a student minister at Freshwater Church in Jefferson City. And he emailed us a question that says this, I think it would be good to highlight two parts to this discussion the importance to studying the Bible in small groups after a lesson, and secondly, how to train leaders in leading small groups well. So there's a lot that we could say to that, but let's take the first part and start out. Matt, why don't you start this conversation uh, talking about the importance of studying the Bible in small groups after a lesson? Yeah, so I can, I'll try to talk a little bit to the, yeah, so basically the reason we do small groups is we think that some students, most students learn dialogically, right? That means by having a dialogue or a conversation. Um, and so once you've got the information, once you've heard the sermon or heard the lesson, it's really helpful to have students kind of start to interact with that lesson. Um, and one of a really good way of, I, I think of thinking 
um, how to train our leaders and helping that lesson flow. Um, just giving, I know this is kind of really simple. If I give my leaders like a, the main idea and a couple of points on the sermon before I'm giving it, that will help. And also the small group questions. So if I've kind of given them a, a the big picture, hey, this is what I'm going to be talking about. And here are the questions that I'm going to be asking, or I'm going to ask you to ask, that will help them during the lesson to form and craft some questions to really help draw the students out um, in uh, as they begin their small group time together. And so, Matt, when you're doing this, when you're uh, giving your leaders questions ahead of time or you're uh, giving them an outline of maybe what you or someone else on your staff or a youth leader is going to teach the students, are these things that usually you're making up and sending them or are these things that if you're using a curriculum, you just put that in the hand of the leader? Yeah, good question. So it's normally um, for us just exclusively and just the way that we do it, I'm all, I write my own kind of large group talks. And so I don't use a curriculum for, for that stuff. But um, so I couldn't speak to the curriculum thing. But so, and let's be honest, I don't always send it out in time. Like sometimes I'm just like at the very end afterwards here, here's a small group question. Sorry about that. So like, let me just be you know clear about that. Um, but if I'm doing it well, yeah, it's my talk. I've sent out my talk to those leaders and then send out the small group questions for them. And really the goal is that they are personally interacting with, they're having a, an exposure to the word of God and they're being changed and grown in that moment. And then through that kind of like personal interaction with the word of God, that that's the lens or the, the it's that's the experience through which they then try to bring it to the heart of the, the kids that they're talking to. Yeah, and Matt, as you discuss that, I think it's important for our listeners to know uh, that no matter how much experience you might have uh, preaching or teaching the Bible to students, that writing small group questions don't need to be rocket science. That sometimes what we need to teach our students is that in small group conversations is that sometimes the questions need to be phrased in a way where students are able to make observations either about the talk that they just heard or about the biblical text that they're studying, that they're pointing out the obvious because I think our students are in a culture where we're always trying to learn more, always trying to dig deeper, which we would never want to push away when it comes to Bible knowledge. But sometimes God obviously reveals himself, right? That's, that's the doctrine of revelation. Some things in the Bible are super confusing, but other things with God's spirit's help are super clear to Christians to understand. And so we want students to be able to, uh, to think well about those things that are clear. And also, I, I would just mind me saying, yeah, I'm so on. sorry, forgive me for interrupting you. Yeah, I, when I'm looking for that leader, too, and I know Linda hasn't spoken yet. Forgive me, Linda. When I'm looking for that leader, too, I really want to find someone who is not a master of the, like this is not like a teacher first. You're, you don't want to find someone who's like a master of the material. You want to find someone who like is a child before the scripture. And if if we ever find ourselves walking into a talk that's given by like you know, the, the youth intern that's below us on the totem pole and just think like are just judging that talk and are not actually listening and trying to learn from it and understand God better through it, then we're doing something wrong. And it's the same with our youth leaders. We want our youth leaders, even though this is a talk for youth kids, like we want them to interact with it and deepen in their faith because of it. And that's going to be the best platform for them to kind of talk to kids too. Matt, I think that that points to the fact that, you know, one thing I think about is that we want our youth leaders almost to be like tour guides, to be guides, to take the students along with them in the scriptures, especially after 
if we do youth group on a Wednesday night or whatever night uh, the listeners might have youth ministry, uh, they've sat in school for hours already that day, and they've had tons of information downloaded upon them. Some of them have done their homework. Some of, some of them have homework sitting at home that they know they have to do after youth group. And so we don't only want to be dumping and focusing on information download. We want tour guides in these small groups to be able to take them on a journey to be able to learn what the Bible says for them. Linda, what does this look like for you? Yeah, I think that we've made a lot of good points already. Um but the, the discussions that happen after a lesson, you know, are, are where the lesson itself gets massaged into that student's life. Um, it's so easy to listen to someone teaching and for it to just kind of stay as information in your brain or for students to be listening to it and not even understand how it applies to their lives or they, they have questions and doubts about it. Those things can come out in the small group setting. Um, and I, I like what Matt was saying about the kind of leader that he looks for, because I don't want a leader that is going to view the small group time as mostly their time to um just use a lot of words to kind of talk about whatever they're passionate about. And, oh, if I can just, um, I don't know, get all this information across to the students, that's what's going to transform them. I, I want them to be good at fostering discussion um, and listening. Uh, the, the students need space um, to engage with the lesson um, for it to be massaged well into their lives. Um, and I would say at the same time, like, I'm, I'm not trying to pit, like, um, uh, time for relationship building in the uh, small group against um, time to discuss a lesson. I think those two things can happen simultaneously. Um, there are times when it's good for us to spend a little bit of time just kind of relationship building in a small group setting so that students feel more safe to speak up and engage about what they're really thinking. Um, but then also discussing um, the lesson material can probably deepen the relationships in a way that just talking about surfacey things about how, how was your week um, maybe wouldn't, right? And so, uh, yeah, I, I just think that uh, both those things are uh, uh, important um, for us to really get out of that, that time in the small group, what we want to actually happen. Linda, and that point I think is so important just to state maybe something that seems obvious, but with our small groups that are meeting in our churches and for the listeners who have small groups in your student ministries, like it's okay for student ministries to have fun together. Like this is one reason why in the past I've done something called small group night out where once or twice or maybe three times a year for the youth group time, there's nothing other than the small groups having fun together. I remember maybe one group might go bowling. One group might have set up video games in the lobby. I remember one time, I think it was freshman girls. They wanted to go to the food court at the mall. And I'm thinking, why do they want to go to the food court? But it's what they found fun. And, and some people would be like, why are you spending youth group time on that? But my philosophy is if these kids spend just a couple times a year, just totally having fun together, that is going to build these relationships. So when we think of the, the title of this podcast, the word in youth ministry, that when the word is opened in these small groups and the Bible is being discussed, that there's already relational capital being built and that you're able to go deeper, faster, if you know the people you're discussing the Bible with. So it's important for us to, uh, to think about, uh, we don't have to apologize for having fun. 
in youth ministry, but we can add fun, which can give a layer of uh, relational stability that can help us in small groups. Yeah, it does seem, it's funny, uh, were you doing um, youth ministry in the 1990s when y'all went to the food court or? No, no, it was just, since I've been at this church, they wanted to go to the food court. My wife was a small group leader and I'm like, if they want to go to the food court, take the girls to the food court. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? The, it, to be a seeker and to ask hard questions is, uh, it's an exposing place. It's puts you, it puts you in a vulnerable place. And as a kid, you have to be able to trust the people that you're talking to and that, that you're with in order to ask some of those harder questions, or at least just let people in a little bit more. So I, I just think that totally makes sense um, why you're doing that. So I think that's pretty neat. And so thinking about this question, which part A was about discussing the importance of studying the Bible in small groups after a lesson, I think we'd all agree that that is helpful. Uh, before we move on to the second part, uh, Linda, I was wondering when you explained earlier that you guys do a game together in your student ministry and then break up uh, into small groups and discuss different curriculum, I was wondering if you could help uh, a youth worker who may be listening to this, how curriculum can be helpful in a small group setting like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my thought in selecting curriculum right now is a lot of small group leaders um, just are at very different levels of how equipped they are to lead a lesson. Um, and I've been in small groups before where it was just like, hey, we're just going through the book of Philippians this semester. And so here's the passage to do this week. And some of the small group leaders could do that really well. Um, maybe we would provide them a commentary and some of them needed a lot more help. Um, but using a curriculum um, can give them exactly how to um, lead the students through it. The one I'm using right now um, is actually one that's published by um, New Growth Press that's written by John Parrott, who works with RYM. Um, it's a study on the Gospel of Mark. And the way that they structure it is there's an opening Bible conversation, there's a short like five minute article you read out loud, and then there's an exercise to help them um, apply it. And it sounds like a lot of pieces, but it actually flows really well. Um, it's one of those things that I can give leaders and I say, hey, this is pretty user friendly, like take 30 minutes to read it ahead of time and to think through some of your answers to questions and, and it shouldn't be too difficult to do. Um, so if you don't have a ton of time to put into, um, you know, prepping for small groups or um, your leaders are just all different kinds of places, using a curriculum like that um, can be really, really helpful. So that's a great observation of curriculum, because I think that sometimes people get curriculum and they feel like they have to use it exactly how it's written, or they need to say every word and ask every question. But part of the beauty about curriculum is it lays a foundation that the leaders might know the group even better than the youth worker or youth pastor might know the group, because we can't be in every group at the same time. So if you can get that curriculum in the hands of the leaders ahead of time, it gives a better way for them to contextualize or to color the curriculum uh, in a way where the students who are in their group can take the best, um, the best application out of it. So as we continue this discussion, we're going to uh, have a short break and then we're going to come back and discuss how to, how to pick, how to select and train small group leaders in our student ministries. This episode of the Word in Youth Ministry is brought to you in part by Crossway, publisher of the ESV Student Study Bible. 
This Bible is ideally suited for students who are serious about God's Word, who want to learn more about what the Bible teaches and how the Bible applies to all of life. With 12,000 clear, concise study notes, the ESV Student Study Bible includes numerous other features, such as nearly 900 Did You Know Facts, 120 Bible character profiles, 10 topical articles, more than 80 maps and illustrations, and more. These and many other features make it the most comprehensive and content-rich study Bible available today. To learn more, visit crossway.org slash youthministry. As we continue this conversation in episode 12, uh, specifically about small group ministry in student ministry context, we're thinking about a listener question we got where we just started in the first section of this episode talking about the importance of studying the Bible in small groups after a lesson. But now let's continue the second part of the question, which was about how to train leaders in leading small groups well. And I think if we're going to answer that and discuss that in a way which is helpful, I think we need to take a step back and first think through how do we select and pick small group leaders for the youth ministry. So Matt, why don't you start us out in this conversation? So obviously the first thing that we have to do to find leaders is to have friends in the church that are willing victims of us inviting them to youth ministry events as possible leaders. I know that's kind of silly, but um, one of the things that I like doing is I like inviting potential leaders to big events. So if there's like an outreach event or if there's something where there's going to be a lot of leaders there, um, that would be a good place to invite them, mostly because I want to see how they interact with kids. And I will tell them, hey, I just want you to come to one or two events before we go through a process of you potentially becoming a youth leader. One of the things I want to see is, do you care about students? And another thing I want to see is, are you actually worshiping during the worship time? Are you part of this group? You know, a lot of times we, we kind of come and, you know, we see adults who are, who are on the fringes or the outside. And I'd prefer to have an adult who wants to kind of uh, mix and be a part of what's happening. Uh, and then, and we can maybe ask more questions about this. We actually have a somewhat rigorous process that we go through with our leaders. Um, we've got a youth questionnaire of 10 questions that will kind of dig a little bit into their lives. And the reason it, it's just really important, um, it's more important for us to protect our kids than anything today. And so like, I will have them do this questionnaire. I will sit down with them and ask them the hard question. Even if it's like a really hard question, you've got to ask the question. You need to know, you know, if there's stuff in their past, if there's things that disqualify them from being a leader, even if you don't think that this sin pattern or whatever will disqualify them, you still need to ask and know about it so that you can talk to them and, and help them be accountable and work with them on that. Um, then we have a long child protection policy um, that they have to go through as well. They have to be members of our church uh, as well. So they, you know, and I say this all the time, like, I don't want to put someone who is not promise to be committed to this community in front of our students. Um, because our students, if you're not committed to the community, if you could leave at any time, I don't want to do that to our students. That's why it's really important for you to be a member of our church. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, we'll start with that. We can, I'm sure there might be more things we can talk about with that, but that's how we start the process of finding good youth leaders. And finding youth leaders is important. What you, I like what you said about having them be members of your church in order to serve. I think even just taking a step back from that, if you have multiple services or some churches might have Sunday school hours, is just making sure that the leaders are involved in the life of the church. 
Because if we want to model for students that they need to be not only in student ministry settings, but in the corporate ministry gatherings, where the word is being preached, where there's multiple generations, where the people are singing together, praying together, seeing baptisms happening, uh, it doesn't make sense to have a youth worker who is going to be helping the youth ministry, but not in that setting. And I think one thing that I experienced at a new church uh, over the years is just making that a requirement to be a youth leader. Although it seems obvious, uh, it's if you put that in writing, then leaders know going into it that I will be not only serving in the youth ministry, but I'll also be part of the, the larger gathering of the church. Yeah, just a, that's so true. Just to follow up, like most discipleship is caught, not taught. Simple as that, right? So if our leader's character is growing, then our student's character will follow suit. And thinking through what we talked about uh, with our guest on episode 11, the last episode that was released with uh, Dr. Steve Nichols of Reformation Bible College, he talked about his youth pastor that he had for several years when he was, I think, from seventh grade to 12th grade. And he said that he didn't remember anything that the guy taught. Now, this doesn't mean we shouldn't teach the Bible and we shouldn't uh, take our preparation seriously, but he does remember who that youth pastor was and his relationship he had with her. So for the youth workers out there, we need to remember it's more than just what we're teaching students, right? We're modeling for students what it means to be a Christian. And I think in our culture today, this can be particularly helpful where there's more and more families that are broke that are coming from broken marriages. There's more and more students who are coming and not maybe being in a Christian environment. So for them to be able to see a youth worker, but also for youth volunteers to be able to set an example for students can be very helpful for them, not only now, uh, but for the future. Let's uh, switch gears, just go a little deeper here. When we talk about how to train leaders in leading small groups well, Linda, in the first part of this conversation, we talked about curriculum and we talked about how you can put curriculum in the hands of leaders in order to help them be able to facilitate small group conversation. But I was wondering if you might have one or two pieces of advice uh, to answer this, per this person's question, how to train leaders well in leading small groups. Yes. So I think this question matters. Um, I think that if we want well-equipped leaders, we have to be willing to be the people to equip them. We can't just have the posture of, well, I, I only want to recruit people who are already well-equipped. We have to help equip them, right? So um, I think that one of the things that can be so helpful if they've never seen student small groups before, haven't even had an opportunity to maybe like sit in on them, um, then I would lead them through an example, um, which is what I did in kind of an abbreviated format with my leaders at the beginning of the semester. I walked them through how the lessons in our curriculum work. Um, so I told them what they should do with the lesson. Then we took the time for me to actually very briefly show them, here's what I would do. And I would literally say, okay, so for this part, I'm literally gonna read it out loud with the students. And I, you know, and then, there were different parts where I'd say, you would ask this question, look at the group, whatever. Um, and, and then after, you know, they've done several lessons, I would check back in with them and see, hey, how, how's it going? I want to hear some feedback. Is there anything that um, is really confusing for you? Um, different parts of your small group that you're having um, any issues with, you need to brainstorm some ideas, whatnot. Um, one thing I always try to equip my leaders in is how to handle just some different group dynamics that might come up. Um, what do you do with the students who keep dominating the conversation? 
what do you do when there are students who are disruptive and they need to be corrected? Um, those sorts of things are always the dynamics that you have to be prepared how to handle it. Otherwise, we might kind of respond out of frustration in the moment, or we might just kind of let whatever's happening happen. And that probably doesn't serve um, the group as, as well um, as us having a plan for how to handle those moments. Um, so group dynamics, I think, are, are another thing that I always try to hit on um, really early with them, even when it comes to prayer time. Um, this is probably very different for girls than for boys, but prayer request time, um, if I don't put some kind of guidelines around that, it can turn into let's everybody share a 10 minute story time. Um, and we don't have enough time for that, right? So you kind of have to um, sometimes prep leaders with, okay, here's here's a way to do prayer request time that kind of gives students uh, some boundaries and how much they're going to share um, and whatnot. And then how to help get the students to pray instead of it's just the leader praying every time sorts of things. Um, there's several different ways to do that that I've talked through with leaders before. So um, yeah, I would just, some of those dynamic things I would talk with them about. Yeah, being proactive, like you were sharing, I think is so helpful. And I would just want to encourage our listeners that I know that the longer we're in youth ministry, sometimes it can be draining being around students. Uh, and it can be draining sometimes uh, helping students go through things that teenagers are going through. And I would just encourage uh, those who are listening to think through uh, if you're if you're tired of being with students, like this is your chance to equip adults. Uh, to what Linda was saying, if, if our leaders aren't equipped, at some point, we can't just point fingers, but we need to think maybe I haven't equipped my leaders well. And so I, I know some of my uh, most precious times as a youth pastor came from meeting youth leaders early at a coffee shop uh, before they go to work and teaching them not only how to interpret the scriptures on their own, but how they would do it with students themselves. And this is one way that as we think about answering this question about how do we uh, train small group leaders is we need to be youth workers who multiply ourselves into other volunteers. And my advice to that would be, let's not think too deeply about that. Let's, let's take maybe what we do well. And, you know, I think of myself or maybe others think maybe I don't do too much. Well, let's think of one or two things that we can do well with students. And let's, if you teach that to two youth leaders a year, as time goes on, not only are they growing, but they're able to pass it on to others also. Um, and what that's doing is it's multiplying our effect within our student ministries. Matt, what would one or two pieces of advice that you would give someone? Uh, you shared earlier about how to select leaders, but as we think about training leaders, one or two pieces of advice you would give our listeners. Uh, yeah, one simple one is... Um depending on your small group. So if you've just like done a large group time or a teaching time, um, it's okay to ask really simple questions of the text. Um, that's like totally fine because just because it's really obvious to you what the answer is, doesn't mean it's really obvious to your students. So that would be one thing. And then um, uh, another thing that I would think about is it's okay, and this is maybe more applies to, to boy small groups than girl ones. It's okay to be firm as long as you give a reason for being firm. So, hey, guys, now is not the time to talk. I want you to give me a good solid 10 minutes and be respectful to one another so we can do this. It's okay to be firm. I don't think they're going to hate you for it. You're not going to kill your relationships that you've built with it. Um, give them a reason. This is really important time with, for us to be with God uh, and with one another. And uh, then we can have fun after. And, um, and another thing is, 
you know, don't, don't, um, don't shut down conversations if there's a little bit of heresy. <laughs> um, like it's okay to let a little bit of heresy go um, every once in a while. Heresy, that's a big scary word. It just means if there's some things said about God that are not true, um, you might want to circle back around to it, but you don't need to be the policeman all the time. Sometimes you really do, but not all the time. Sometimes you can let it go. Matt, I think that when we think about all the conversations that happen, so if there's several small groups meeting, you know, even the, the size of the youth group uh, does matter in this, but even if, if, even for those who might split after a message might split into guys in one group and girls in another or multiple guys group, or maybe uh, your youth ministry breaks up to, uh, based on the division of grades, uh, there's going to be so many words that are spoken during that small group time. And so many leaders that are going to be communicating uh, truth to their kids. And I think that's why it's so important we train our leaders on what target they're aiming for. That this is not just a time where we want them to be talking about life and laughing, although that is part of it. And it's not just a time where we want our leaders to be downloading knowledge onto the kids, although that's part of it. But that one thing we talk about here in our student ministry is Colossians 1, aiming for our students to be mature in Christ. And a mature ninth grader looks differently than a mature sixth grader looks differently than a mature 35 year old. But if that's the target that we're aiming for, we want every part of the conversation to be able to be pointing towards those students becoming more mature in Christ. And I just think that sometimes we either overthink small groups and we overthink what that looks like and we want to put too much into the hands of the volunteers, or I think it's also possible that we underthink the benefit of them. And I know that uh, the more variety that we can give students from them hearing the Bible being taught from someone up front to being uh, discussed in a small group setting to sitting in a, in a sermon from the senior pastor explaining the scriptures, uh, the more conversations that we're having um, around the word uh, helps us do what this podcast is all about, helping the word be the center of youth ministry. So I hope this has been helpful as we've been answering this listener question and discussing the benefits of having small groups in youth ministry settings. I want to remind our listeners today that uh, this episode is sponsored by Crossway and that you can go to www.crossway.org slash youth ministry. That's crossway.org slash youth ministry uh, to find some different resources that they have at discounted prices that might be helpful for you to just help elevate the word of God and to use resources um, in this setting to help train your leaders in your youth ministry setting. We want to thank you to lis uh, for listening to this episode and would just ask you to like, share, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening. And we're just so thankful that we can have these conversations as we can continue to influence the next generation uh, to know and love Jesus. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.